Have you wondered about living elsewhere after you retire? Well, we have almost daily. As you know, it is not an overnight decision. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about places to consider living in during your retirement. Hey, guess what, folks? I retired. Oh, my goodness. This July 2021. I'm so sorry, Jean. I wish you could join me in the freedom, but you have a few more years for that pension. I don't think you're that sorry. I am. Can't you tell? We embarked on certain for a new place to move for our retirement. We made a trip to Winter Park, Florida in February of 2020, came home and said, mm, maybe not for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then came up with this brilliant idea of doing a podcast to find out what others are doing. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. So why not connect with them and pick their brains? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil and grew up in in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. Oh man, I'm getting dizzy. <laughs> yes, I, you are. <laughs> thanks. I recently retired from my job practicing higher education law within a university. No more students, faculty, or staff. Whoa, this is going to be great. <laughs> I love the college environment, but what do I honestly love even more? Hmm, sleeping in, not setting an alarm, staying up all hours, binging crime drama, and silly romantic comedies, developing the podcast, volunteering. Okay, let me stop. More to come, people. More to come. Jane? I'm not Asian. And as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. I'm sorry. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I've always wanted to leave. We've lived in Brooklyn, New York for many years and have been thinking about our future home. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. Mm, don't know about that. <laughs> We've been speaking to folks from all around the country and world who have moved to their dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Hola, como esta? Today, we will be chatting with the Yatemans of Oaxaca de Juarez, Mexico, also known as Oaxaca City. The city is in a mountainous region in the southern center of Mexico and is part of the state of Oaxaca, with a population of over 300,000 just in the city alone. According to Forbes, when most people think of Mexican food, they think of fajitas, nachos, and a law shaker of salt. <laughs> but savvy travelers know that Mexico is home to multiple cuisines and that Tex-Mex is actually not one of them. Those looking to expand their palates go to Oaxaca, a foodie's paradise. And because it's not on a beach, it's not as well known to Americans who tend to flock to Mexico's shore resorts like us, Gene. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some background about our guests. Paul Yateman was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, and lived and worked in San Francisco Bay Area for 25 years. Paul received his undergraduate degree from University of Americas in Cholula, Puebla, in secondary education, teach, teaching English as a second language. He studied under the GI Bill after serving in the Army where we spent a year in Vietnam working as an artillery ballistic meteorologist. Whoa. Wow, what is that? Paul is a self-professed job hopper, having worked as a salesman, English and Spanish teacher, taxi driver, warehouse employee, and he sold stocks. Wait. He was also an admissions rep and placement director 
vocational schools and then as a recruiter for a trucking company. Gloria Yeaman was also born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland and lived there her whole life until moving overseas. Gloria obtained a bachelor's degree from the University of Maryland Global Campus in Technology and Management and a master's from Townsend University in Instructional Technology, focusing on instructional design for adults. She spent 20 years working in the hospitality industry for hotels in the Baltimore area. Paul and Gloria met in Baltimore, Maryland. They spent their honeymoon traveling around Mexico, which was Gloria's first exposure to Latin America. On April Fool's Day, 2009, they left the U.S. for Costa Rica with 12 suitcases, two laptops, one trunk, and their cat, Cleo. They moved to Costa Rica to simplify their lives and to retire less expensively, and much sooner than they ever could have in the U.S. Having graduated from a university in Mexico, this move filled the long dream of Paul's to live in Latin America again, and Gloria's desire for some adventure. During their 12 years living in Costa Rica, Paul and Gloria developed their popular website, retireforlessincostarica.com, to give people who share the dream of retiring in Costa Rica a place to learn about life there, ask questions, and find helpful products and services. They also offered relocation tours of Lake Adenal and the Western Central Valley, including their town, San Ramon de Alajuela, as well as a Costa Rica healthcare tour. Well, that's interesting, <laughs> which covered both the public and private systems. They also published a free monthly newsletter that answered the top questions people asked as well as to inform readers about things they may not have thought of yet. Which is, that's important, right? While they are no longer writing newsletters or giving tours, the website still exists, though it is no longer updated. Gloria also wrote a book titled Cooking in Costa Rica, an expat's guide to buying and eating in Costa Rica. The book is packed with information and even contains a lengthy English to Spanish food dictionary. Well, in 2013, Paul and Gloria started visiting Mexico for the first time since their honeymoon, in the beginning traveling for one month during Costa Rica's rainy season and then later spending up to six months of the year in Mexico. See, this is the only time I get to practice my Spanish <laughs> from junior high to high school. And you're doing great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But some of the R's, I'm not really giving it, you know, the credit. After calling Costa Rica home for 12 years, Paul and Gloria moved to the city of Oaxaca, Mexico in July 2021. Wow, during the pandemic. Paul and Gloria are finally retired, but are they really? <laughs> Will not know yet. They both enjoy learning about and experiencing the culture of Latin America, especially Mexico. Paul continues his lifelong interest in meteorology and enjoys following the Baltimore Ravens football. <laughs> Gloria enjoys reading and cooking, especially learning about the cuisines of Mexico and the traditional recipes of Oaxaca. They live in a rented house north of the city with their three cats and look forward to the time post-COVID when Oaxaca's cultural events can resume. They love their new life and have no desire to move back to the United States. Now, before we start our chat, guys, I want to talk about a little bit about your philosophy which is less is more, which I picked up in your site, meaning one, your choices are limited, so your decisions are easier. So true. Two, life is less complicated and more simple. 
Three, you have less clutter to deal with, so you have more "quote unquote" mental space <laughs> to enjoy the simple things in life, the richness all around you. Four, you don't have to meet all your goals and worry about ever increasing productivity, so there's less pressure and more peace. And finally, you do less multitasking, so you can be more in the moment and concentrate on one thing at a time. In the U.S. With unlimited choices for everything, right? It's insane. It can confuse, complicate, and slow you down from making decisions because you feel you have to consider all your options. Wow, that's a fascinating point, right? When you're faced with massive options, well, for me, it brings anxiety, and I can't help but look at all the options because you know we do a lot of research and. You feel like if you don't look at everything, you might miss out, or you might、yeah. just somehow, you know, skip out on something that would have been helpful. But less is more, right? Remember when we didn't have the iPhone and all this technology? Like right now, we're sitting here with all these things on our heads, known <laughs> as headphones, and、uh, all these other things. And、life so, was pretty good, and life, life was good. Life was very good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, guys. So welcome to our show. I know that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We'd like to kind of, I guess, explore the potpourri of why you decided to move to your honeymoon city. What prompted you at that point? You know, the twelfth year mark in Costa Rica. So we're gonna kind of ask you questions. And your website, by the way. Um, the one that you're no longer updating. I hope、um, it'll be available for a little bit longer for our listeners. For a while, yeah. Okay, good. Because by the time this show airs,、um, it might be、um, a couple of weeks from now. <laughs> yeah, it'll But, still be up. Okay, good. But listeners know that there is super, super useful information, like actual figures. Oh my goodness!、Um, yeah, it's great. You know. I mean, just from 2020 alone, you know, the cost of rent, the cost of healthcare, you know, things on this on these charts, I reviewed from the website. If you want to move to Costa Rica, you better look this, look up the site, look up the site. Okay, guys, so I'm gonna leave it to you. And, okay.、Uh, so tell us,、um, how did you get to Mexico? We have been coming here since about eight years ago with International Living Magazine. You may have heard of IL. Yes. And、uh, we were spoke. We spoke at nineteen conferences for them,、oh、and、uh, that's、gosh. terminated, I would think. But <laughs>、uh, <laughs> we talked about Costa Rica, and we did our last talk about Costa Rica from Mexico just last February. Oh, okay. Now tell tell us the audience、uh, about international living. I mean, many of us who don't travel or Think of retiring abroad may not be as familiar. I mean, Gene and I have been doing this for for about a year, so we know. But tell the audience who they are. Well, International Living、uh, started in Baltimore actually around 1979. They a lot of people don't like them,、uh, but the fact of the matter is they provide a pretty good service.、Mm -hmm. And if you look at sales, what is it? It's find a need and fill it, and they do it in spades. They asked us to speak about Costa Rica in Costa Rica. Uh, one of the conferences usually there's around three or four hundred people at a conference,、mm. and we and they liked what we said, so they continued to invite us. Their market tends to be slightly,、um, let's say, middle class and up.、Ah. Uh, remember, only about forty five percent of the people in the U S. have passports, and that's new. I mean, five years ago, it was like thirty five percent. 
And Paul, how many how many cities and countries across the world are they focused uh, on? They focus on so many countries. And Costa Rica happens to be number one this last year. Yeah. Oh, uh, right. Costa Rica, Panama, Mexico, Portugal are all pretty close in their numbers. Uh, but for a lot of people, it provides a service, and they don't know how to get into it. They don't know how to get started, mm-hmm. and that's really what it, it can do. Mm-hmm. And the magazine, which is forty-four pages all the time, is like a dream book on the world. Ah. I mean, it's it's fun. It's they tend to be pretty real estate focused, but mm-hmm. at the same time, they do provide a pretty good service to people. Now we went through the conferences, and I think I told you we call ourselves the voice of reason, common mm-hmm. sense, and sanity. <laughs> so we weren't in, we had no agenda. We were just giving information and letting the chips fall where they may. Mm, we realized we've had people actually listen to us and say, you know, I decided not to move to Costa Rica. And they were kind enough, that is international living, to tell us that's a good thing. Yes. Because you're oh. providing a good you know, information. Oh, right. I don't yep. know if they really liked it, but <laughs> we, they kept inviting us back. We, we never tried to convince anybody to move to Costa Rica. We just wanted to share both at International Living, when we spoke at conferences, on our website, in whatever forum it was. We just want to give people options. We wanted to share our experience of what life was like there, what it cost to live there. Um, people always asked us about, you know, the health care as well as the cost of living. And the big the biggest question was what do you do all day? Yeah. <laughs> so we wrote a lot about that, about what we what we did, how we spent our days and what was available. And if somebody decided at the end of that that Costa Rica was not the right place for them, then we figured that we did our job because and, it's to empower you. It's to, you know, help you make the best decision for you. And the tour was about day-to-day living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this reminds me at this point to insert a disclaimer which is our show is not to convince anyone to move to anywhere that we want to provide good and honest information. We lived in Costa Rica for 12 years. Um, We loved it. We spent all of our time in the town of San Ramon de Alajuela, which is on the western edge of the Central Valley. So we were uh, living in the mountains at, what, about 3,500 feet elevation, kind of spring weather, uh, which includes the spring rains (laughs) for half the year. (laughs) We were an hour from the beach, Yeah, 45 minutes from the ride at the airport, and about an hour from San Jose. Nice. Depending on traffic. Yeah. (laughs) Now, you might say, incidentally, the healthcare system, and I tell people, what's good about Costa Rica, let's say, compared to Mexico? Healthcare system and the government. So why would we move? Why would we give that up? One, your four C's, we call it, culture, cuisine, climate, and cost. I'm referring to Mexico. The number one driver for us was culture. It was so strong that we were willing to give up some of the things I mentioned, that is the healthcare system and the good government. Mm. Replace it, didn't have it, wasn't as good. Why? Because the culture was so strong, the pool was so strong to learn about and investigate this culture. Gloria, on these eight years that we were coming here, and remember we were coming, started with a month, then six months, she didn't want to give up on Costa Rica. We had a lot invested there, and she felt a little guilty because we had been talking at conferences. We had, you know, mm-hmm. we were known, but the pool was so strong. So about three years ago, after my cancer surgery in Costa Rica, she said we were here for two months after my surgery. She said one day, okay, I'm ready. I want to move. 
Oh, wow. This is my happy place. Yeah, Oaxaca is my happy place. So <laughs> that's how that's how that happened. And it was it's culturally driven. Yeah, it costs a teeny bit less. The climate to what for us is is better. It's drier. It's drier, less rain, yeah. basically, in a nutshell. Uh, and the cuisine, well, that's a lot better. Africa <laughs> is a, a young country. It doesn't have the depth. Yeah, the depth, I guess, that Mexico has. It hasn't had the angst that Mexico has had over the years. It's a very peaceful country. The people, tranquilo is tranquilidad, tranquility, oh, tranquility. is very important value. There and in our the town that we lived in in San Ramon, we chose it because it it was considered the city of poets and presidents. So several you know presidents were born there. It's really you know it's sort of known for it's it has university branch of the university. The largest branch of the University of Costa Rica outside of San Jose. There was a cultural center there, and so we had before COVID. We had, you know, concerts and dance recitals and, um, you know, art exhibits. But, they would be teaching classes. And then at the end of the session, the the teachers would have an exhibit that, you know, of the art that the students had done. And But it tends to be a little more sporadic, let's say, than here. And also low key because it's a small town. Now, in talking about Costa Rica, we love Costa Rica. I mean, it acted like a buffer for us because we had our honeymoon in Mexico in 2003, December of 2003, spent a week of the, week of the 16 days in Oaxaca. And I brought her here because I wanted to show her my Mexico where I went to the university and all that. Aww, stuff, you know? yeah. So she mm-hmm. loved the 16 days, but mm-hmm. she was a little put off by the poverty and by the soldiers in the Zocalo. And so she suggested few years later, let's go to Costa Rica. Well, I readily said yes. I mean, I would have gone to Bangladesh. (laughs) I mean, I I just, I always wanted to live overseas, especially Latin America, even when I was a teenager. So Mm -hmm. that's, I didn't come to this like a lot of people. A lot of people come to this because they're going to save money or they want to escape Obama or they want to escape Trump. Uh, We've seen it, we've seen it both ways, to be honest with Mm -hmm. you. We came really because well, money was a factor, but it wasn't a factor when I was 18 or 19 years old. <laughs> right. I was, wasn't thinking about health care or yep, cost yep. of living forward to 50 years, and it is a factor. Mm-hmm. And of course, when we went to Costa Rica, I had only $922 a month, mm-hmm. and Social that was security. it. So security, I was 62. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And we thought it was going to be enough. And I'm, I look back on it, it was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> right, you never know. Hindsight. But it all worked out. Gloria got a job online with your university, Towson University, for the first 11 months. Our tour business started the next year. It all worked out because we lived on about $2,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Now, a few years later, Gloria's, a pension came in for Gloria. It was $152, not mm-hmm. a lot. So mm-hmm. added that to the 922 plus retire for less in Costa Rica. And that's how we survived. Uh, even here in Mexico right now, 12 years later, we still only have $1,240 a month guaranteed income. We've walked the walk, no doubt about it. That's why in the website, we wanted to show people where he had mentioned what we did. Uh, it could work for them. International living just so happens to recommend you have about $2,500 for Costa Rica per month of guaranteed income. I would I would actually agree with that. Yeah. I think it's good to have twenty five hundred bucks a month. Costa Rica being one of the more expensive countries in Latin America, Costa Rica has a lot to offer. And I think the two big things I think I mentioned: government and the healthcare system. 
And remember, they abolished their army back in 1948. And they don't have one. And they do a lot of things right. Now, a lot of people might argue with that, but they do a lot right. And they were just admitted into the Organization of Economic Development. And the OECD. Oh, wow. OECD. And that's wow. quite a, mm. a coup yeah. for them, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's only a country of 5 million people. Mm. Now, what does it lack? It lacks money. I can't do all the things it would like to do. It's, it's like they used to call it the Switzerland of the Americas. <laughs> I would call it a quasi-socialist state, kind of like Western Europe. To be frank with you, that's a kind of a funny word nowadays, socialist. But the fact of the matter is Costa Rica and all those countries in Western Europe are all capitalist countries. <laughs> they just have large social safety nets. So Costa Rica is kind of like that. But again, it doesn't have it doesn't have the money to do what it would like to do. Okay. So I can't generate the tax revenue. So when you, you were thinking about going to Mexico, did you consider other cities or just Oaxaca? Well, we did. Whenever we would come back to visit Mexico over the last eight years or so, we usually went to Puebla because that was close to where he went to university. We would always go to Mexico City because we would fly in there and we loved Mexico City. Mm -hmm. It's offered so much. Um, but I, I don't want to live. I don't think we want to live in a city that's quite that big. But I don't think we really considered any other place but Oaxaca. Well, huh. I mean, briefly, we considered Cholula or Puebla. But to be honest, one of the things about Oaxaca that we really love is that it's the, is it the most indigenous state? It's the number one indigenous state, I guess, oh, wow. would be Chiapas, which is right next door. Mm -hmm. And there are 16 different indigenous groups that live in the state of Oaxaca, um, cool. each with their own language. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we take public transportation here. So, I mean, just yesterday we were on the bus and there were two women sitting um, in front of us. And they were speaking in an indigenous language. I don't know if it was Zapotec or, or one of the other languages, but it's pretty common, you know, to hear other languages, to see people, um, especially the women in their traditional clothing. Mm -hmm. um, wow. I, I never would have known that. Even, yeah. bank, even people that work in a, like if you go into a bank, a woman might, might wear a skirt or have a nice pants on, but she might be wearing an indigenous top. Oh, cool. He yeah. may not be indigenous, but right. a lot of people here mm -hmm. wear blouses Accepted. and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very common. You know, the mm -hmm. southern Mexico, the states of Puebla, Guerrero, Michoacan, Chiapas, Oaxaca are the most indigenous states in the country. Okay. And Oaxaca has a population, that state of Oaxaca has a population of a little over 4 million. So about half of those would be indigenous. Uh, around 21% of the country is indigenous. Okay. And of a population of 130 million in Mexico, that's you were talking about, you know, 20 some million people. And we just find that fascinating. I mean, it's the dress, it's the art, uh, the artisans in a lot of the different towns that outlie Oaxaca City. In a lot of the pueblos, they specialize in one particular kind of craft. So they're at Santa Maria at Zompa. Um, does pottery and they specialize in the green glazed pottery and Teotitlan del Valle, um, they specialize in using the big foot pedal looms and weaving, um, you know, wool rugs. Cool. Um, Santo Tomas Halitza, they are known for women who use the backstrap loom 
matter of fact, we have one of the, the pieces here right on our, oh, wow. right on beautiful. our table. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, woven. Um, there are a couple of towns, Arizona, San Martin Tilcajete, that specialize in alabrijes, which are wooden creatures, <laughs> figures oh, that are very intricately painted. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go into these towns, you can go into the workshops of the artisans, buy things directly from them. The cuisine in Oaxaca is incredible. That's something I'm really interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's yeah. a great right. book. We're waiting, <laughs> we're waiting for the Oaxaca book. No, no. <laughs> well, actually, today, this afternoon, um, we have a friend, a Mexican Oaxacan friend coming over, and she's going to show me how she makes pollo uh, enchilado, oh, which is uh, like chicken with yeah. sort of a chili sauce mm. and i've made it once from a recipe and it uh, it needed some work so <laughs> she's well, gonna come was, and show me how she does it it was good it was good it at was first good. but you know when she says chili it doesn't necessarily mean hot okay so many different chilies right true, right. true. flavors and we have them all downstairs <laughs> and uh yeah and of course it's a laborious process because you have to heat the chili and you have to well, it's it's pretty involved. You know, we always end up on these trips over the eight years. We always ended up in Oaxaca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was not a hard choice. Mm, you know, uh, this culture, which Gloria is talking about now, yeah, is so strong with such a big draw that we just couldn't resist. Back to the cooking, Gloria. In your book, you mentioned that you miss Trader Joe's. In, Co- <laughs> in Costa Rica, you'd have to go to a lot of different uh, food stores to get what you wanted. Is it the same in, in Oaxaca? The same. Well, let me first say about Costa Rica, over the years, over the 12 years that we were there, a lot more things became available, Uh even in our our own town. Some things we would have to go to San Jose, which is the capital city, or Uh Alajuela to, you know, one of the, there's a store called Price Mart that's like a Costco, you know, to get some of, of the things. But that has improved. Now, Oaxaca has their several kind of large grocery stores here. The main one that we go to has a big international section. But for instance, I was looking for seasonings, rice wine vinegar, and some, you know, oriental spices to make a Thai dish. Mm. And I had to put something out there on a Facebook group and say, (laughs) where can I get this stuff? And it turned out there's a little Oriental store about 20 minutes from here. And we went and they had what I needed. So there is wow. still some of that, you know, some things it's kind of hard to find. And like I was looking for dried figs because last year I wanted to make these Italian Christmas cookies. And I looked all over for dried figs yeah. that were like candied and sugar syrup and all that couldn't find them. And then just about two weeks ago, I walked into a store and this woman had fresh figs and dried figs. And I got so excited. Oh, so, yeah. I don't blame. It's sort of like a scavenger hunt. You know, you, you yeah. know what you want and then you kind of have to look for it and it makes you appreciate it more. Well, remember too, uh, Oaxaca is a city. And one of the reasons we like it is there's more to do here. Mm-hmm. And there's more to find here. That was a big draw too. I mean, we like the culture, and they have highbrow and lowbrow here, including opera. I'm telling you, you won't believe it. And they do the they do the Met all the all the Met for the season, and they have a production here every year. We've heard opera here, live opera, quite a few times. And I'm not talking about uh, opera. I'm talking about excerpts. 
generally, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. the top 40. The arias. The arias, <laughs> both. I have uh, to ask you guys. kind of an art scene and music scene going on here. Yeah. You know, we've heard people mention how much they enjoy opera in a whole number of international shows. And Gene and I have not quite become <laughs> opera fans. I, so I have to ask you, uh, because I have a lot of questions, but well, we have a lot of questions. When did you get into opera? Well, it's interesting. When we met each other, what, 19 years ago, we used to spend, I guess, Paul, you were interested from when you were a teenager, right? Well, you want to tell them when, that? I, no. when, I was, when I was a senior in Baltimore City College High School, third oldest, third oldest high school in the USA, public oh, high wow. school. I, um, I know that. <laughs> they came into my classroom and said, who would like to be in an opera? Well, I was kind of interested. So I, I was in an opera. I raised my hand. Oh, wow. I was in Lucia de Lamamore and Rigoletto, Ooh. the Walmart Civic Opera Company. He didn't sing, no. And the principal, I was a, I was a sword carrier, you know. <laughs> that, they call that a super, super sword carrier. <laughs> the principals came in from the, the Met, like Chester Ludgen and Anna Maffo. So I was in the oh, wow. two. And the next year at Towson, when I was a freshman, I took survey of opera. And we also went on opera. I do forget which one it was. And I'm not really, um, you know, like a lot of people, I like grand opera. And I don't, there's a lot of modern stuff. And I like the stuff that everybody else likes. Like it's the most popular mm-hmm. ones. Ah. Puccini and Verdi mm-hmm. opera, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that. You know, my, my favorite one's La Boheme. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. people would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of times every opera will have a couple of arias in it that are like um, well known Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh you know i I think everybody waits for those moments Mm -hmm. uh because they're so powerful and beautiful yeah sometimes opera can actually make me cry because it's so beautiful it's all it's all about the voice (laughs) opera is about the voice it's an appreciation you know i remember you know watching share in moonstruck with nicholas oh yeah and i was like oh i can see that moonstruck I love that movie. Yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> That's okay, kind of so- how it began for me was with a movie. I don't know if you remember the movie A Room with a View. Yes. Sure. Yes. Yeah. That movie had a lot of just mm-hmm. incredibly beautiful opera in it. And so that was sort of where my interest started. And I remember when we first got together, because we both had a little bit of exposure, you know, to, yeah. to grand opera, we started buying um, CDs, music CDs, and we would spend Sunday mornings with, you know, listening to opera, sitting on our couch, you know, drinking tea and, and listening to opera. And it was oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it was it was very Dean, cool. That's what we have to do after the show. Not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> OK, OK, so um, moving on. But I also yeah. like James Brown. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. So let me ask you, um, do you I mean, I, I know that you guys are well versed in Spanish. Do you need to know the language where of where you are to get around? Are there many expats? There are, especially in Oaxaca, there's, you know, like a lot of cities, a lot of big, you know, main cities, there is an expat community. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But let me say something first about language learning. If you have basic conversational Spanish, you can probably get by We've always believed that if you move to another country and you learn the language, you get so many benefits from it. You know, number one, it gives you a lot more opportunities and choices to 
learn about the culture and interact with with people. I mean, why would you want to go to another country and not take full advantage yeah. of, you know, everything that you can can learn there or enjoy there? Language learning, it's stimulating for the brain. I mean, there's you say Absolutely. we're well versed. Yes. Believe me, we are always learning uh, new vocabulary. New there's 14 verb tenses in <laughs> But you don't use all of them. You don't use all of them. You're um, right. it, but it gives you something to do. Is Spanish any different in Mexico than it was in Costa Rica? Costa Rica? Very little. It's mostly vocabulary that's different. Well, mm-hmm. that's a so, lot. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, there isn't a, I mean, they can all understand each other fine. Okay. It might be the difference between you know, you, you, England and the US in a way. Okay. Something okay. like that. You know, maybe. A lot of the words are based on Nahuatl, the language Nahuatl, Nahuatl. So street names, you know, are going to have a lot of X's in them. Um, Ah, Here, you know, in Costa Rica, peanuts are money. And in Mexico, they're cacahuate. Some words are different. But basically, if you know Spanish, you can definitely be understood. How do you get the San Martin Flacalula? You go south on the highway, past Tlacachawaya, and past Teotitlan, <laughs> and what's the other town? And then finally you come to Tlacalula, and you make a left, and that you get sandwiches. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. There's a lot of TL. Oh, my goodness. Birth. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I know that in the more touristy uh, sections of Mexico, like, you know, the beach areas, whatever, um, you have a lot of Americans who may not be able to learn the language, as we've heard from many people, you know, at a certain age or their brain kind of just blocks well, they them. they just don't want to. Or yeah. just, they, they just they don't, don't want to. I don't think to. they try. Yeah, you know? yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. And at the end of the day, um, do you think that someone like that would survive in Oaxaca? I do. Okay. I do. I think okay. they could survive. But I think they would definitely be limited. They're missing out. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. Gotcha. I just, I just read a report a couple of days ago that it's been debunked that young people can learn language better than older people. Is that right? Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with what you believe. If you believe that you're too old or that you have limitations True. and you can't learn the language, huh. you're not. Yeah. Well, why, why have I been stuck on this intermediate level so long? Well, maybe you believe that you can never be fluent. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Paul. Paul, you better ask that inner question. That's right. I I think that older people do have a harder time with it. But again, I think it's motivation is a lot of it, you know? No, it is. It is motivation. Okay, let's move to something that's on everyone's mind, and that is the cost of living. In Oaxaca, how much or an average would it be f- to find housing, let's say? Let me first say, and Paul, I know we'll, we'll confirm this, the cost of living for housing in Oaxaca has skyrocketed. During COVID, we thought that it would bring prices down. Yeah. Before we, we moved to Oaxaca full time, we spent, I guess, about three years renting um, these this really cute bungalow. And it was about $480 U.S., including all of the utilities and internet and all of that. And we thought that that was expensive at the time because (laughs) we had this image of, you know, Mexico being like really inexpensive. But now during COVID, I mean, we've we've been looking at rentals for friends of ours that are looking for like a one, everything on one level kind of rental. And we're just shocked at some of the things that we've seen for, 
you know, right now, $1 is about 20 pesos. And so we're looking at places for 30,000 pesos a month. Which is $1,500. Yeah, it's become common. There's a lot of places less, like 15 or 20,000 pesos. But still, that's double maybe what it was just a few years ago. And this is where I don't get too gentle. If you, now It's a tourist town. In over 20 years, prices were always going up. But in the last several years, Airbnb has just decimated this town and the world. They come in, of investors from Mexico City, from other countries, from everywhere, and they buy. They buy a house and they pay through it pay the mortgage through Airbnb. And so less is available. Prices go up for rentals as well as the real estate itself, the home. That is the big corporate. Five years ago, there might have been 100 Airbnbs here. Now there's thousands. That's the place we've seen apartment buildings kick, kick all the people out and turn people that have been there 10 years and kick them, kick them out and turn the apartment complex into Airbnbs. Oh my goodness. So it's happening in Mexico City. It's happening in Spain. It's happening in the United States. Now, remember, Airbnb started as a, someone renting out a room in their home and making a little extra money. Wait, and I then just it became wanna, part of the gig industry. Yeah, I don't mean to interrupt you, Paul. I just want to let our audience know that those dogs are outside the house and we have no control <laughs> over it. This is Mexico and Mexico's noisy. Yeah, Latin America's <laughs> noisy. It's one of the first things that I would tell people on the tour. Latin America's noisy. <laughs> because I asked so, that question because I know you have three cats and cats so don't. Yeah. What happened is once a computer came on, it, it became like a Uber. You know, they part of the gig industry. And so people saw a way to finance their real estate purchases. And they don't even live in the home, see? That's part of the deal. You start out as just renting a room in your home, and which is fine. But then now people don't live there anymore. About Only about 8% of the people uh, Airbnb actually rent out a home, a room in their home. It's really been a curse. Mm. Plus, it hurts the hotels. It, hurt, it hurts everything. In a traditionally yeah. tourist town, there are a lot of hotels. And when people come, you know, they, I mean, somebody from, from our town at San Ramon contacted me a while ago and said, hey, I'm thinking about coming. I'm looking at this Air, Airbnb. What do you think? And I said, I think you should stay at this hotel instead. Well, well we stayed at Airbnbs until about two years ago when someone pointed out to me, like I'm mentioning right now. And I was like, wow. And I could see it. You know, I could sort of see it. The, the, the tremendous price rise is really due to that, Airbnb. So we started staying in expensive hotels again. Just to give you an idea of, of what's out there now. Okay, so we looked at a small two-bedroom house in San Sebastian at La uh, a couple of weeks ago for our friends. That house rented for, what, 20000 No, it rented for about twelve. I thought. About 12000 Okay. So that's about $600 a month. And so it's about 45 minutes outside of the city. Very simple, kind of rustic house. But it was two-bedroom, two-bath. Two-bedroom, two-bath mm-hmm. house. I mean, it was nice. It was nice. The The only problem with that house was the, the owners who lived on the other side of the property raised chickens, turkeys, and peacocks. Wow. <laughs> and they, um, they, were and they would graze. Yeah, you know? they were roaming in this beautiful 
grass area that I had between the homes. I mean, it's a, it was a large grass area. It makes, you know, mm-hmm. hundred, almost like a football field. Wow. They, so we're talking 50 birds. Yeah. Whoa. Our, our so cat, it was kind of. Our cats would have a field day. <laughs> our cats, yeah. Oh my so God. you're going to deal yeah. with some things mm-hmm. in Mexico that you might not be used to dealing with. Yeah. And so another we, thing. Yeah. yeah. Another thing, Mexicans are friendlier than Costa Ricans. So, so Costa Ricans, I mean, are, right. are real nice. I mean, I love them. But um, Mexicans are a little, you know, like, come on over, you know, come on over to my house. Oh, wow. They just, they'll meet you, they'll invite you in. They're a little more um, gregarious, mm-hmm. um, I would say. Back to the pricing. For Mexicans in the city, are, are a lot of them having to move out because it's so expensive? Yes. One of the things you find here is that there's not uh, there's not a lot of zoning. The area where we lived at the, the bungalows, there were some incredibly huge houses with marble and Mm. you know sweeping staircases five minute walk away a very basic house with just very basic not not even I wouldn't even call it rustic you're going to find in the same area a shoe repair place and a grocery store and a laundromat big expensive house and a very modest Mexican house. Sometimes they're not five minutes away. Sometimes they're next to each other. Yeah. And another thing is the average salary in Oaxaca, and I think this is high, about 8,000 pesos a month. That's $400 a month. So remember what we talked about in these prices of the homes. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, if up in Mexico City, a graduate, I just read this not more than a month ago, from the University of Mexico, is going to make about $500 a month. Wow. And, and if you get a degree in electrical engineering or something like that, you might make 15,000 pesos a month, which is about $750. Mm-hmm. So if you make, incidentally, if you make 38,000 pesos a month or 40,000 pesos a month, you're in the top 1%. And that's only $2,000 a month. Yeah. What about the other costs like utilities? Very inexpensive. In internet, for example, um, internet in Costa Rica, we paid. Was it about $40? About $40. About $40 a month. Mm-hmm. Here, our internet is half that. Oh, um, wow. Our phone bill. You we, won't believe this. Yeah. For our for our cell phones, we have a prepaid plan with Telcel, which is you know the national mm-hmm. phone company. Mm-hmm. And we pay 200 pesos each a month. So that's $10 a month. And that includes unlimited calls. Whoa. Mexico to the U.S. and Canada. Wow. As well as a data plan. Now, there is a limit on the data plan, which mm. Paul often exceeds. And then we have <laughs> to pay another $5 a month to get him through the rest of the month. But Bad so boy, Paul. Bad boy. <laughs> Still you know, expensive. electricity yeah. Yeah. is subsidized by, the, by the government. To be honest, it's very inexpensive. Maybe, maybe $10 a month. Wow. And uh, gas, gas, we have a um, we use for cooking and hot water. That's probably the most expensive. And we're gonna, and that's gonna be about mm, thirteen hundred pesos for three months, maybe. Yeah. Where would that come to? Seventy five dollars, maybe twenty five dollars a month. Oh yeah, so that's the highest I would say. Yeah. Now okay. Costa Rica, on the other hand, electricity is and most of like Latin America, electricity is pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. But again, it's subsidized here. Oh, do you guys have a car? And how does no, that? Do you not. Okay. Do you we need? When we were doing our tours in Costa Rica, but we sold it, and we we walk here or take public transportation. Oh wow! Okay, how so is... it's a walkable city. 
It is a walkable city. And even from where we live, I mean, by, by bus, it's about 20 minutes north of the city, but we've actually walked it. I mean, we can walk into town. It might take an hour and a half, but we, but we can walk it. Well, we get our 10,000 steps in. Yeah, we try <laughs> to walk, you know, and that's one of the reasons for not having a car is right. that we do. We walk, we take buses, we take cabs. And every time we come here, we lose weight. That's great. As long as it, like I, we have a house with steps. And I'm I'm a believer of doing steps as long as you can do them, as yeah. opposed to getting in. How a lot of people want to retire and they want to have it on one floor. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to walk as much as possible, and I want to do as many steps as possible. Nice. <laughs> yeah, well, I want a ranch. <laughs> I want a ranch, and I'll walk around it. <laughs> what, what, about, what about the price of food? Is that is yeah, that low, or like? how's that? You have to kind of qualify that in that you've got what you buy in the grocery store or as opposed to eating out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So eating out is very inexpensive. Um, Tell them about comida corridas. I'm the king of comida corridas. Mm -hmm. Comida corridas is a prefix meal, usually served at a lot lot of small comadores and restaurants, usually between one and 5 PM. Mm -hmm. And uh, it can be anyway from about 40 pesos to a hundred and plus. If you went to a hotel, you might pay 120 for it, 140 for it. It's gonna be a three course meal, usually of soup, uh, the main course, and the main course will have maybe rice with and something else with it, and maybe dessert. Wow. And, also, and drink. And drink and bread and stuff like that. Tortillas. And we, we yesterday we ate for uh, 80 pesos each. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, is like four dollars. Four dollars. It was oh a great goodness. meal. I told Gloria what a great. It was terrific. Wow. Even on the uh, high end of wow. one hundred and twenty pesos, that's like almost six dollars. I mean, I can't believe that. That would be a, that would be a <laughs> very today's good, currency. Um, yeah. That would now, be, yeah. You can go into a regular restaurant and order off the menu, and you're going to pay more. I mean, for us to go into a restaurant and have a meal might be $25 for the the two of us. Mm-hmm. On a special occasion, there are a couple of restaurants that we really like and we've gone for, you know, birthdays or anniversaries and what, even with like wine, maybe $50 for the well, for wait two a minute, of us. Wait a minute. Yeah, how many times have we spent a thousand pesos, which is never. 50, never. We've never spent $50. Yeah. Oh, wow. Never. Wow. It's really hard to find a bad meal, okay. it, whether you're eating, you know, street food or you're eating at a Commodore or you're eating at a fine dining restaurant. Well, so, uh, we haven't been to the real, what, the, the real fine dining restaurant, like <laughs> Oaxaca. Uh, hello, Dunn. you've only been there like, what, three months regularly? <laughs> well, we've been here about a year and a half. I know, but now, now. All the time we've been here. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we, we have never into the four or five high-end places. Never. I, I mentioned that this friend's going to come over later and show me how she makes pollo enchilado, which mm-hmm. is chicken with chili sauce. Mm-hmm. We were shopping in Colonia Reforma, which is our kind of nearest place for grocery stores and things. We were walking down the street and there was a comedor and we sat there and we ate and had this incredible meal of chicken enchilado. It was 45 pesos. It was 45 pesos. Oh my goodness. It came with like rice and either beans or vegetables mm-hmm. and a drink and soup. And, and yeah. It is incredible, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you say you say Oaxaca is a is a foodie city. How does it compare in price to uh, Mexico City, which is also considered a, a great foodie and city? And Mexico City is only what, like forty five minutes from you? No, by plane. 
Oh, oh, that's what I was looking at. Oh, I was wow. like, oh, yeah. close. Okay. By bus, it's seven hours. Whoa. Wow. Maybe a little <laughs> less. Which we take yeah. many yeah. times. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's a first class bus that goes from Oaxaca City to Mexico City. And we've done that many times. Okay. It's a beautiful ride. Yeah, it's a beautiful ride through the through the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would say Oaxaca is probably maybe a little less expensive. Yeah, I would say it's less, but we don't see we look at yeah, it's less. But we're less. <laughs> so, right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, I guess. So, uh, like us. I, I, I love a torta. Now, torta is kind of a Mexican type sandwich, and it's not, they don't call it a sandwich because if it's a sandwich, it's going to have bread. Mm-hmm. But if it's a torta, it's going to have like a roll. Okay. And I have a place in Mexico City that I just love. Yeah. Best, best tortas in Mexico City, I claim. Mm. But I haven't been to a mall. <laughs> but I mean, I love Mexico City, but they have some of the best restaurants in the world. In the top yeah, 50, yeah, they have two yeah. or three of the top yeah, 50 yeah, restaurants yeah. in the world. Yeah, we're the same, uh, it, you know. We, yeah. We've only gone to like... Yeah, we uh, don't go to these fancy we, No, we only went to a four-star or Michelin, whatever, recently for our 25th uh, wedding anniversary. And it wasn't... No offense, and I, I'm not going to mention where, but uh, it wasn't that good. No. And I had like yeah. the more popular item that was on... Well, I happened to like it, so... What yeah, was it yeah. in New York City? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And we were like, oh, you know, because the owner's actually, um, he's known and he's got quite a few high-end and delicious, I mean, delicious restaurants. We thought we'd give it a shot for our anniversary. And Well, that's well, one of the reasons we sometimes don't go to a fancy place of real, because it could be almost $100. And yeah, that's if you yeah. have wine and all, but I'm not a drinker. You know, a lot of times yeah. it's liquor that brings the bill up, of right? Of course, yeah. of course. And we don't drink. Yeah. So, but, but a lot of times we go to these little places, sometimes we're looking at each other like, you know, food in that little place it's just as darn good yeah you know yeah. And, yeah. i love the hole in the walls yeah, <laughs> so you, yeah. and that's that's what we tend to do because we can eat out more often yeah we eat you out know, all the time just to give you an idea what we're going to do after the the podcast today we're going to walk up to the local tiangas which is like a farmer's market it's right up in the little Pueblo. It's about an eight-minute walk from where he lives. She means in San Felipe del Agua. San Felipe del Agua. Which is a part of the city, but it okay. looks like a little Pueblo. There's this this Tiangas, this market, um, is there three days a week. It's a portable market, so it's not there all the time. And we'll go up and we'll buy fruits and vegetables to last us the week. We might spend $10.00. Maybe a little bit more if we're getting strawberries or, you know, things that might be a little bit more expensive. Yeah, I need that. Um, Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) You're lucky, Paul. You live with a chef. (laughs) We'll buy that. We'll buy the fruits and vegetables. I'm going to go to the lady that sells chickens. These are all kind of freshly butchered chickens. And I'll tell her what pieces I want and she'll cut them and, you know, get them all ready for me. If we want to make um, like chicken cutlets or something, there's a dish here called Milanesa that's, you know, a real thin chicken cutlet and, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it's in breadcrumbs and mm-hmm. fried. Yeah. Uh, so they can, they'll pound out the chicken cutlets. Oh, they'll tenderize it. Tenderize yeah, tenderize it. it. We, we, I call know. Special, we call that special chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get, there's a lady there that sells on weekends um, homemade tamales and, and one so more question. we can buy fresh flowers, you know, right. there. It's just, it's. Wait, it, so you're not going to spend more than 10 today, more than 10 U.S. dollars? Well, on the vegetables. <laughs> but okay. then what we do is we go to the carnitas stand mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we will have tacos. 
Oh, okay. And oh, what wow. do we pay for per taco? Uh, 12 pesos. 12 pesos a taco. <laughs> Which is uh, 20 pesos a dollar. Right. Oh, right. my goodness. Right. And they give so, us all the condiments. I'll tell you, we'll do it to go. We'll get six of them for 72 pesos. Wow. They'll give us all the condiments. We'll come home and eat them. Sometimes we invite a friend with us because it's fun. And of course, I get more tacos then, right? I get nine. Right. But it only takes 10 minutes and they wrap it in foil and we come home and we put it out on our balcony, I guess our porch, and eat them. You were asking, Gene, about prices, the food, generally speaking. It's generally, I would say it's less here than Costa Rica and a lot less the United States. We spend about, what, 350 bucks a month, three, 300 maybe, 300, mm-hmm. and that's for food at the stores and stuff. Okay. Not eating that, out. That's Just nothing. That, yeah. So that's bringing home. Okay. In Costa Rica, we spend about 375 so oh, okay. a little bit less here. Part of that is we're still buying, you know, pantry items you know, maybe things for the the kitchen that, you know, we're lacking here. Mm-hmm. So things that would maybe be one-time purchases or sporadic pur- yeah. purchases. And that brings the bill. Well, well part of it is we're fairly new here again, as far mm-hmm. as setting up house. Sure, sure. You set up house, it's going to be a little bit more expensive the first couple of months as you're getting everything. I would say the food, buying food are less expensive here in Costa Rica, noticeably. All yeah. right. We're, we're going to move over from food to health <laughs> <laughs> oh, you and, know what? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because you eat some bad food, you need some healthcare. Um, you mentioned that the healthcare in Costa Rica was better than it is in Mexico generally, but how is the healthcare in, in Oaxaca? Well, let's first quantify that as the public healthcare system and the private healthcare system. Correct. Okay. So mm-hmm. when we say the healthcare system is better in Costa Rica, we're talking about the public. Healthcare system. Yeah, because um, because the, the healthcare system in Costa, in Costa Rica is pretty good, public and private. Even though most foreigners <laughs> don't want to use the public system because they're scared of it, and it, and it's universal healthcare, and you do have weights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whereas, but the private system in Costa Rica is pretty good and inexpensive compared to the states. And, yes. Yes. But it is more expensive than here the private system. The private system in Costa Rica is more expensive than the private system in Mexico. And that's what she's going to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Got well, it. yes, just yesterday Paul had an ultrasound and it was you're 800 not gonna, You're not going to believe this. Go ahead. 800 pesos, which is $40. Oh my Whoa. goodness. Paid out of pocket, you know, paid in in cash. The same ultrasound in Costa Rica is going to be about double that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay, Costa okay. Rica, which is still a lot less than, than what, in the U.S. Oh, yeah, forget it. The doctor's visit was... He, this is two quick visits, one to order the doctor's sound and one to kind of go over it with us. And he only charged us once, and it was 600 pesos, so $30. Nice. Wow. wow. And again, this is out of pocket. So right. a lot of times... People who come here from, you know, the States, for instance, or other countries, they won't necessarily have any kind of international health insurance. They, you know, pay every, they self-insure. We did that in in Costa Rica in terms of anything that we couldn't get through Uh, the national healthcare system. We paid for out of pocket and it was very affordable. Yes, but we also had a discount plan with a hospital. Now I'm going to tell you, we paid $50 a month to cover both of us in the national system and another $20 a month to cover us in a discount plan at a hospital. So we wow. paid 70 bucks a month for our health care. That was and Costa Rica. That discount plan mm-hmm. at the hospital called MediSmart. 
The hospital okay. is called Metropolitano, but the plan is called MediSmart. Mm-hmm. I, you want to talk about a stress reliever? Wow, I'm talking yeah. about because I, you know, I didn't worry about it because I for seventy bucks a month we were covered. Yeah. Now it isn't perfect. Uh, we realize that mm-hmm. it isn't perfect in the states either. Oh, not at all. Not at and all. And so, just the fact that we could afford it for seventy dollars a month was a big stress reducer. One thing you have to understand, though, is that a lot of countries don't have all of the treatments, all of the drugs, you know, that are maybe available in the U.S. So we have we have friends in Costa Rica. He came down with lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, they went to the CAHA, which is the the national, you know, socialized medicine system, mm-hmm. right. and they couldn't really treat him there. So our friends went to the discount plan that Paul was talking about, and it would have been really ridiculously expensive for him to get this one treatment that might have helped him. Mm. So they ended up going back to the U.S. The for VA, veterans, the, to the Veterans Administration, oh, okay, okay. and he was and he was treated there. So, but he not, died. But he did die. He did. He did end up passing and away. And Costa Ricans live about two years longer than than people in the United States. Just it's incredible. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. That's yeah, 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 yeah. And so we treated this private plan, this private, not a plan, but this private, just like it was our, like our coverage, like it was sure. our private yeah. coverage. Okay. So we okay. paid like very little. Most people keep their Medicare, Medicare yes. B. Yeah. Yes, yes, We did yes. not. We gave up on it. Remember, uh-huh. I only had $922. It mm-hmm. would have been 130 something less. Right, right. Uh, yeah. right. Be when I was 65. It, right, because if you Gloria keep it, will be 65 in December, and mm-hmm. she'll have that decision to make whether she wants to get it or not, mm-hmm. Medicare. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm going to go to Mexico real quick. So we gave up that. We gave up that, that, that medical care in Costa Rica. So what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Well, Gloria just got a private plan because she's under 65. She got a called Malfrey. It's like um, PPO or HMO in oh. the state. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's and it's only about a about hundred bucks a month. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. So Paul does not have that option. I'm because 75. He's, he's not eligible for the for the plan. So this is more of a major medical so we're, plan. So we're paying out of pocket for stuff. But it's affordable. Yeah. And her plan is kind of kind of not catastrophic but because the deductible is about i think a thousand or two thousand which isn't Uh, terrible these days mm -hmm. yeah and uh but still she feels protected how long can i do well i'm playing like yesterday we we were thinking about gee i might have to go to the va up in san antonio at audie murphy hospital Mm -hmm. (laughs) and maybe i'll use that as my big stuff and that's the plan I'm going to use the VA because we're not that far. And there's okay. an airport in Oaxaca that can fly, you know, up there. So we're doing everything out of pocket, the small stuff. Okay. She's got her plan for the big stuff. Mm-hmm. I've got the VA for the big stuff. We were told if I had, now, you know, that ultrasound I had yesterday for $40 was for a hernia. He was convinced. Uh, for 30 years. I, yeah. you know, <laughs> Dr. You, Google told him he had a hernia. Well, oh, Dr. Google. Well, and friends. Because, you know, it was in that area of all this stuff. However, he said, you don't have a hernia. He said, and he looked at it real hard. We talked with the ultrasound doctor Mm -hmm. and he said, I don't have a hernia. And you asked him if you had had a hernia, how much would the surgery be? Uh, I asked the doctor, you know what he said? You won't believe this. For for one day, you go in the morning, you checked out that day at the hospital, uh, $1,500 or less. 
Now, yeah. let me tell you, I was thinking, well, see, I thought he might say, because a guy that got it in Costa Rica, it was uh, 3500 which I thought was cheap, right? Yeah. In that plan called MediSmart. Well, I was thinking, well, if it's 3000 or $4,000, maybe we fly up to San Antonio. You know, we could get the hotel for that. The surgery would be free. Mm-hmm. But remember, it's universal health care. They might not do it right away. They might not do it oh. at the VA either. But when he told me 1500 bucks or less, I'm thinking, gee. I could have done. I'll just stay here because we would have had to yeah. pay for a hotel in, in San Antonio and other things. I, I want to mention too, though, because we were other than the Caja and this discount plan, we paid for everything out of pocket in Costa Rica, and we've been doing the same thing here in Mexico. We always recommend that people have a reserve, financial reserve. We have money saved that if something but, horrible but, should happen, but we did in the beginning. We didn't in the beginning. Uh, it's something that no, we, we had built over time. We had $28,000 and that <laughs> 922. We didn't have a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. now we're in better position. <laughs> Paul started collecting Social Security when he was 62. Yep. And what that enabled us to do is to retire. And I was 52. I mean, who gets to retire at 52? Not many. And by, by moving overseas and having a simpler life and a less expensive life, we could retire sort of when he was 62 and I was 52. Yeah. But remember also that, you know, we had, I had a special interest. I was interested in Latin America as a teenager, which I mentioned to your wife. I was interested. I wanted to live in another culture when I was 18, 19 years old. So I'm just living my dream. Yeah. Luckily, my wife bought into the whole package. What <laughs> yeah. happens if you go 50 years forward in my life, we didn't have a lot of money. So if I'm talking to people out there and we're, and they're not interested in the culture like I was, but they're more concerned about the cost of living, sure, you can come to places that are less expensive. Mm-hmm. Sure. But most people leave. Most people are here, Costa Rica, or maybe, I don't know about Mexico, but most people in Costa Rica come for, I don't know, one to five years and probably 80% of them go home. Wow. Wow. Medicine and family. Mm-hmm. Medical and family. Yeah. Most of them don't give up their Medicare B, so they're going to keep paying for that even though they can't use it. But they do use it because they might go back to the States once or twice a year to visit family and things like that and to do a procedure. But we were sort of thinking that we're going to do this for the long haul. We're going to really retire and die here. We don't have any plan or desire to move back to the States. Nor do we have children. We don't have kids or grandkids. Mm, But we we love the culture. We can't tell you how much what it does to us. They have a holiday called Day of the Dead. You may have heard of it. Yes, yes. And, you know, that holiday did so much much for me starting eight years ago about my perception of death. Did you ever see the movie Coco? No. No, I don't think so. You need need to see it. You need to see Coco. Okay. It's about Day of the Dead. uh, Yeah. In the West, Uh, it's kind of morbid. You know, death is kind of morbid. hmm? And I'm not saying it isn't sad in Mexico, but the way they, they spit at death. They look at it and right in the face and stick their tongue out at it. When someone dies, they're sad. As the years go on, starting a year later or two years later, they're going to celebrate that person. They're going to invite that person to come from the grave to come home for one day. And they're going to feed them their best food, the stuff they loved. They're mm-hmm. going to have maybe the music that they loved. Mm-hmm. And they're going to commiserate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to that person. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. do you believe that? Well, I don't know. You know, do I believe it? I believe it strongly. Wow. I do because it gave me great comfort. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like you know? the Asian culture. You're supposed to go to the cemetery or, you know, where wherever the, the person was or, you know, at the last moment and celebrate their life. 
You bring, yeah. you bring a whole meal. So the Chinese, yeah. you know, yeah. which I am, you normally, the tradition is you bring a cooked, a boiled chicken, you bring wine. Um, you also bring chopsticks for however many that will attend and, you know, all the goodies. And we also bring, it's gotten a little out of hand now because <laughs> of commercialism, but you bring things to replenish their lives. So for example, when my mom passed away, we brought, and these are all paper goods to us. They're items like a cell phone. All right. <laughs> I bought my mom a cell phone and although she hasn't called me and it's been 10 years. It's a paper cell phone. Uh, it's, it's a paper cell phone. We got her a big mansion because she always complained about, you know, that we grew up poor. We, we had no money. So she always said, you know, if your father had a better job, she always complained about that. So, you know what? I got her a mansion. We got them a big, the only car available in the shop was a Cadillac. Now my mom doesn't drive, but I got her a Cadillac anyway. So maybe she could have a driver. And <laughs> so we bought her. Yeah. So we bought all these <laughs> things, you know, and, uh, and you burn them, right? And we burn them at this cemetery in uh, in in New York. Uh, you'll see a lot of Asian families. You know, first you have to find the big kind of incinerator can, and so you place that right by. Uh, well, well, our grandparents are there because my parents are cremated and they're sitting actually in my home. Anyway, going back to the day of the yeah. death, this is a very similar concept, which I think it is, is. Well, you know, it's a, probably a form. If you go back century, it might be a form of ancestor worship. Yep. And it's respect. Yeah, it's just respect, honoring yeah. your honoring your family and your ancestors. I think it's a great thing. Again, yeah. it did a lot for me. It helped me look at death much more healthy. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Much I'm gonna have to get that film, Gene. We have to watch it because I think yeah, about well, it. It's, it's animated, but you kind of forget oh. that it's animated. Oh, it's that's Disney, even better. It's a Disney <laughs> it film. It won the Academy but, Award for it. Too. Yeah, it's a Disney oh, wow. film. Oh, wow. And it really, we're sitting in the movie theater. We were watching it actually right after it was released here in Oaxaca. And he turned to me and said, "You know, this isn't Mexico. That's Oaxaca in, in that movie." <laughs> wow. Um, that's so cool. Here, on Day of the Dead, um, usually the families will go to, this is again pre-COVID, when the cemeteries were were open, but families will go every year prior to Day of the Dead and they would clean the gravestones in yes. the area and they would decorate it with flowers and candles and um, maybe they're called tapetes. They're, they're designs, they're pictures made out of colored sand. It looks like a rug. Yeah. Tapete mm -hmm. means rug. And then they would actually go and spend like a vigil. So maybe on the 31st or the first, depending on whether the deceased person is a child or was oh, right. just, you know, just died, you know, more recently or whatever, there's certain days that you go on and then they would go kind of like you were saying in, in the Asian tradition, they would bring, you know, a meal, mezcal, uh, you know, the whole family would gather their mariachis. And they'll share it with your, if you're a visitor, yeah. they will share it with you. You walk <laughs> by and they'll invite oh, nice. you to come, you know, have a mezcal and you could sit. And, and this one, the cemetery right in um, Oaxaca, uh, the city of Oaxaca, the Panteon, um, the, we went one year there and we got kind of got to know, got to talk with his family. Peraltas. Uh, yeah, he still remembers the, <laughs> the family name and they would tell us. He you was know, a baseball about, fan because he had a cap on for the cup. And see, that again, that's something that if you don't know Spanish, right, you would right. miss out on that no, opportunity. Man. Mr. Peralta was like 75 and his wife had died. And you get to hear stories about the deceased person. Mm -hmm. um, they actually have cemetery tours 
for Day of the Dead. And one year we went to three cemeteries. We went to that Pantheon. We went to the cemetery in Atzompa, which was an incredible experience um, because every grave site had these really tall, like almost two and a half feet high candles, flowers and musicians. And you would just walk through the cemetery and... and We were there two in the morning. Yeah. It's because it's a vigil. You know, oh, right, right, right. people walk in front of us with yeah. large marigold flowers. It's a beautiful thing. You know, I mean, it's beautiful. And it really changed my whole perspective of death mm-hmm. and made me less fearful and yeah. just made me just yes. a healthier outlook. Mm-hmm. Oh, very. It's very common in people's homes. And also you'll see them in businesses and places around town. Um, you put up an ofrenda, which is uh, kind of an altar and yes. decorate it with, you know, the the flowers, the marigolds and the, um, you know, it would have an arch and, you know, there, like he said earlier, there would be certain kinds of foods, you know, your favorite food. And it could be a Coca-Cola. Drink. I mean, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> right. It could be a favorite. Yeah. Whatever, they like, whatever they like. I want to tell you, you mentioned how the Asian thing has gotten commercialized. Well, it's here too. Yeah. It's here too. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can't escape yeah. it. Yeah. Well, but, no, it's hard. Yeah. The one cemetery that we went to on the tour was in, um, is called Hoho, Hoho Kotlan, which is sort of near the airport. Outside of the cemetery, it was like a carnival. I mean, there are stalls with, you know, games for the kids and yeah, selling yeah, food yeah. and, you know, loud music and, and, and blaring and lights. Hundreds, and hundreds, if not thousands of tourists. It happens. Yeah, I was there. I was stunned that they, the area between the graves was only maybe eight inches or so a foot. And I was stumbling. I mean, because there was thousands of, it must have been hundreds of hundreds of people there at that time, but thousands (laughs) in the course of the night, right? Wow. Wow. As these buses come and unload tourists. I didn't like it. I mean, I I liked the one in the Sampa. It felt disrespectful. It it just felt Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. too too overdone, over the top. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned airport. I wanted to ask you, where is the closest airport to Oaxaca? Uh, Right in Oaxaca kind of southeast of the historic center. Well, and it's, it's an international airport. It's maybe 10 miles out. Oh, so it's 10 miles from where you're living, right? Yeah. Okay. And you can get nonstop flights out of there to well, certain places. It's a small international airport. Yeah. And they have nonstops, I believe, a couple of times a week to LA, Houston, Dallas, maybe. Oh, oh okay. Uh, I believe that when things were going stronger, they had something to New York. I think. Wow. But if Direct not, flight. You can, nice. Well, you can, ch- you could change in Houston mm-hmm. and, or LA and fly down, okay. or you could change in Mexico city, which okay. most people do. Yeah. Even because flights are pretty cheap to Mexico city. Okay. I got to tell you now, I know you don't, uh, you didn't try to sell me, but just <laughs> your talk and your love for the city and the country. I yeah. I'm in love. So yeah. So well, be that, careful. I will give you notice, though, when we but, stop by. But, We're not the kind of people that just show up. But tell, thank, oh, you. thank you. We would appreciate that. There's one woman we had, and I guess she said, oh, you can just show up at a door. We said, what? We're not. We're I like, ne- I've like, never heard of anybody saying that before. I know. We're like, unfortunately, I, I like to give, I like to get noticed because I want to clean, you know, but. <laughs> okay, so, so wait, oh, wait, wait. Speaking of that, we yeah. have a domestica that comes every week to clean. She cleans our house in five hours. She's very detailed and tell them what we pay. $15. Oh. Yeah. Oh my God. And we actually pay a little bit more than what, what she 
ask. So right. that's nice. Yeah. See, I mean, you don't so have nice. to be She's you don't terrific. have to be a millionaire to have someone no. from these yeah. things. Yeah. And you're helping her also because she's yeah. doing a job. People are, you know, that's why it's so valuable for people from the states and so few do, not just to travel, but to actually spend some time somewhere. Yeah. You know, other people live. Yes, yeah. yes, you know, absolutely. Live. Of course. Of and, course. You know, yeah. and, and you know, they're happy. If you look at these happiness indexes, and I know the indexes can be kind of funny, but if you mm-hmm. take all of them and look at all of them, mm-hmm. certain countries are always there, including Mexico. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, is that right? Happiness wow. index. Yep. Ten more Denmark, I've seen that. Sweden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, why? Why would they be so happy when they have so little? Mm-hmm. Because this is one of the reasons that Gloria initially said, retire for less. Yes. Less is more. Yes. Because in their culture, less is more. That's right. Because yeah. they embrace family and friends. And, and they don't get caught up in all the crap, you know? But yeah. they can. I mean, because within Mexico itself, it's almost just like the States. It's like... um there's two or three societies. I mean, a lot of middle-class Mexicans who we most identify with, because we, we, listen, we come from humble backgrounds. Yeah. My mother never met, she was a single mom, never made more than $1,000 a month in her life. Yeah. Gloria's father is a mechanic and her mother works in a department store. Mm-hmm. We're just, that's why it's easy, easy for us to be frugal because we were all our lives. It's yep. not a challenge, believe that's me. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about some of the negatives about Oaxaca. Okay. And, I was just going to ask that. <laughs> yeah, because I there, knew it. I knew there, there, definitely, <laughs> there definitely are. And we kind of going back to healthcare, for instance, the, the public system here, we could go, we could join the public system and pay, I think it's about $500 a year per person. Big limitations in what the public system can offer. Right now in Oaxaca, and this goes to one of the other negatives, there are major um, demonstrations in town by medical students and workers in availability of medications. We've been reading a lot about, you know, children who have cancer and can't get their cancer medications. We have a friend who has um, cancer and has to get chemotherapy every month and injection. And some months it just isn't available. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you kind of, you kind of wait. Some towns don't have water delivered and provided by the municipality. You know, there was a real problem during the early stages of COVID because they were asking people to wash their hands, you know, repeatedly. They couldn't get the gel. They couldn't get the water. So these are very real issues. You, you, we have bottled water. In Costa Rica, you can drink out of the faucet, which is some people, we thought was since the 30s. That's an amazing thing. Yeah. But here, no. Mm-hmm. The water we use for bathing and our brushing teeth and cooking, we use regular tap water. And it's not bad. It's safer to drink bottled water, which is what most Mexicans do. It's not just us. And it's a very political town. There's a lot of demonstrations here and a lot of graffiti, which is not nice. A lot more than in past years. I remarked on it the other day. But I've always seen it here. They have a lot of demonstrations, and a lot of blockades. And that's where they block highways. And they're doing a lot of that right now. Yeah. And I'm talking about 10 or 15 blockades around the city to kind of strangling. They'll uh, commandeer, commandeer a bus. Yeah, we were on one. We, we were on a bus. God. Wow. And the bus stopped. We got off the bus. And the demonstrators, they were actually demonstrators from indigenous pueblos who were demonstrating because they couldn't get the medical supplies and treatments in that they were promised. 
Um, so they actually commandeered the bus. The bus then blocked the intersection. This is a couple you know, of weeks ago. It happens wow. regularly. Yeah. Okay. So this is a big reason, but people don't often even know about it. They, mm. These these digital nomads and all, mm-hmm. they have no idea. They want to go on a hike. <laughs> they want to go hiking. They want to see where the biking is. And can, can we meet up with people that just got here and tell me where we can get a good towel? That's a <laughs> bath and a steam bath. They just have no idea. Um, it can it can be a put it can be a put off. Yes, yeah, sure, some people sure. if you really want to live here. If you live in Centro, you may not even notice it. People who live here have dealt with it for thirty years, and they shrug their shoulders. It's a part of life here, right? And that, right. So that's why you, you must have a pretty big draw for for Oaxaca. And the big draw, yeah. I think, is the indigenous cultures. That's what sets it apart mm-hmm. to me, Gregory and I, from might be other parts of Mexico. Right. We also always have change in our pockets because there are always going to be people begging. A lot the of beggars. It's heartbreaking because sometimes it's, you know, a grandmother with her, you know, small grandchild or, you know, a young mother, you know, with a, with a baby, holding a baby and, mm-hmm. and begging. And it's just heartbreaking. And, you know, we, we are from, you know, kind of modest means, but we are blessed. I mean, we can come yeah. here and do practically anything we want. And so yeah. we always, when somebody asks for money, um, unless they appear drunk, <laughs> we, will, we will always, you know, give them something. You know, um, the, talking more about the medical system, Obrador, the president, uh, they call him AMLO. He won the southern part of the country, which is the poorest part of the country and which is the indigenous part of the country. And he got voted, uh, elected in a landslide. He said he's going to make a healthcare system like Canada. And the OACD said, you got to spend 12% of GDP to do it. Well, he's only spending 6% of GDP. Uh, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, wow. yeah. And that's why they don't have the medicine. Plus, there's a lot of corruption here. Who knows what happens between, you know, along the way. Right. You know, Costa Rica didn't have that. Right. You know, I mean, it still has its limitations, universal health care, the public, the public system. Nonetheless, it formed a good base for us. And here, we, we're not going to have that base, not that public base. Mm-hmm. Just because it's so many negatives about the public system. Sure, that's why you have to have that plan. And they don't. They're yeah. not putting enough money into it. Mm-hmm. But you're In able all to countries. If you look at Denmark or Costa Rica mm-hmm. or Canada, yeah, yeah, yeah. The number one expenditure of the budget is probably the healthcare system. What's the crime rate like in Oaxaca? It's petty crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's you know getting your cell phone stolen when you're at a market. Pickpocketed. Yeah. Pickpocket. Yeah, yeah. 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 We do not have the cartels. Right. Here that they have in a lot of you know a lot of the other states, mm-hmm. um, it's it's pretty peaceful. You know, I want a little bit more rise in crime and even holdups since the COVID. Okay, I think people okay. are more desperate. You know, a lot of the artisans were they're dependent on you know tourists to come yeah. and buy, and yeah. they're just for now you know two years almost. Yeah. Um, that hasn't been there. And, you know, it's just gotten a lot harder. So the, yeah. the poverty rate's gone up. You know, people are desperate. Sometimes. And the poverty yeah. rate's gone up all over on a tremendously high poverty rate to begin with. And a lot of these crime issues have happened around the globe. I wanted to ask weather. You had mentioned earlier, Gloria, that it's drier than yeah. Costa Rica. So there's no kind of rainy season? Oh, no, there is a rainy season. <laughs> okay. Tell us about um, the weather. Most okay. of the West Coast of the United States, Mexico, Latin America has a rainy season. Mm. 
So here, a normal rainy season in Oaxaca is about 30 inches of rain over a course of about five months. Where we lived in Costa Rica, which was in the mountains, more on the western side of the country, a normal rainy season would be 90 to 100 inches. Uh, often 120. It is drier. Mm. Yes. Oh, yeah. What's well, semi-arid here, whereas Costa Rica is more tropical. Mm-hmm. So we do get rain. We're coming on to the end of the rainy season now. Um, right now, it's you know kind of a cloudy morning, but generally Oaxaca is known for its just great, huge blue skies. I mean, it's it's just it's dry, it's crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, now we it, live at fifty. We live at five thousand feet elevation, and that's oh, ah. all of central Mexico, oh, okay. Guadalajara. Um, uh, Morelia, Mexico City, Puebla, Tulula, mm-hmm. uh, San Cristobal de las Casas, and here, these are all elevated. They're all central Mexico. Yeah. Okay. So and they're all any... going to be 5,000 feet or more, and the climate's going to be similar to what Gloria is describing. Okay. So you're like in the 70s and 60s at night, right? Or, or so? Right now, it's been high of like 80, 81. Mm. And I guess as cold as it gets, Paul, how, what is it, 50 something? Well, low 50s. Well, maybe? I tell people as a yearly thing, 50, 80, 50 degrees okay. low, 80 degrees high. Okay. However, in the coming months, November, December, January, it can get down to 45. Wow. Okay. Uh, and even colder on a big cold wave. Right. And the hottest time of the year is what, April, May? April, March, April, May. And, and it, it can be uh, 90. 90. Okay. And okay. Nights, nights, nights are still around 60. Yeah. If you wanted to go to the beach, how far is it? A long way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because looking on the map, it's hard to say, right? But well, And in, it's in, mountainous. In Costa Rica, it's uh, Moon, we were an hour from the beach. Right. Okay. Here, we're about... Oh, what would you say? At least five. At least five. Oh, wow. Gotcha. Right, they got a that. highway they're okay. going to finish probably yeah. in the next year or so. Yeah. And that'll cut it down. But the, uh, a bus yeah. can take seven hours. Okay. The good thing, though, at that height um, elevation, as um, I'm reminded of our mutual friend, Rob Evans, you guys probably don't have bugs or things like crawling Never. all over. Right. <laughs> no, I don't we mean were surprised at how few bug problems we had when we lived in Costa Rica. And, oh. You know, in oh, because you were in because, San Ramon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we were at a higher elevation. Right. Was right. Not, I mean, we had scorpions and tarantulas <laughs> and stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't nearly that bad. But, but mean, we're talking more about the smaller bugs. Right. too, And spider. we had them, but it wasn't it never was. the. I mean, I think Florida's worse. But where you are now, what's what's it like? Much less. It's not bad at all. Um, we do have some mosquitoes. He's never bothered, but they love me. Yeah, so love me sunset. too. Well, you're sweet. I'm sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have that same issue. No, because yeah. when Rob and Jenny mentioned how they have this like army of ants that they expect, they come <laughs> oh, through yeah, the house, right. they yeah. eat up all army the little ants, things, yes. and then they go out. I have to tell you, I was so creeped out. I said, cross <laughs> that off the list, okay? <laughs> or at least that location, you know? It's funny you would mention that because a lot of our friends right now in Costa Rica are experiencing that very yeah. thing right now, the army ants coming like, through. I, I can't even, I mean, I mean, Jenny, well, she's like, oh, it's no problem. You know, we just raise our feet, we sit on the sofa, and then we watch them go out. I mean, if I if I knew that was happening, my anxiety <laughs> level. I mean, that's just me, you know. Well, I think both, you get kind of used to it, you know. You know? Yeah, both I guess. Here and in Costa Rica, we have geckos. 
you know, little oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, and we love them. They're cute. Yeah. yeah I think we geckos named are... one Paul Jr. All right. I have, I have a question, though, quickly. Um, the beach is too far. Opera. I have, I have no use for that. Um, <laughs> what, what do you do for fun there? Well, it's the fun is diminished. Yeah, well, if, if it wasn't COVID, what would you be doing? Well, let me just say something up preface that. We were here four months, November 25th to around April 1st of, of last year and this year. And then we went back to Costa Rica for three months to sort of pack up. Uh-huh. Well, in the four months that I was here, we went out less because of COVID. Mm-hmm. We, we went out, I mean, a lot, but we went to a restaurant and did things, but not mm-hmm. not a whole lot. And I enjoyed this house more than I had in the past. We lived in this house in 2017 as well. I appreciated the house. Do we go out and do stuff? We do. I mean, simple things, going to the Tiangas, you know, the weekly market, mm-hmm. um, walking down the street and there's a, a, on our street, there are a couple of burros and we will like, when we go to the Tiangas, we'll buy extra carrots and then we'll go over and Paul will feed them carrots and they, they greet him now when he comes I'm by. I'm a burro whisperer. <laughs> we talk to the street dogs, you know, so it's, it's. It's we speak, we simple. speak Spanish to people. Mexicans listen. Yeah. Mexicans will they'll play along. They'll get it. They'll get right into it. <laughs> they're 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 not. You know, in the states, you say hi to everybody. Says in Costa Rica, too, everyone everyone says Buenos dias, mm-hmm. como esta, things like that. You know, mm-hmm. today, how are you? In the states, they'll cut you like you're nuts. You know, like yeah. what are you talking to me for? What do you want? Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Well, here it's not like that. Yeah, I think there's That's plenty. Yeah, That's they've mentioned plenty of uh, social things mm-hmm. and arts and crafts and, and things to learn, yeah. languages. During non-COVID times, let me give you an idea. Okay, so one of the ways to meet other expats is through the Oaxaca Lending Library. A great place. Um, hmm. Which has just now, about a week ago, reopened during its regular hours. It's a library that was started over 50 years ago by uh, some Canadian expats. And they have, I don't know how many volumes of books. Yeah, it's a huge number of books. Most in English, but they have some in Spanish as well. tapes and everything. Yeah, uh, movies, uh, you know, DVDs, music CDs, And a lot of the members are Mexican. Mm. A lot of membership for Mexicans under 18 is free. So they have a lot of resources. They have English classes for Mexicans. Um, Every Saturday, there were intercambios where you would get together for two hours, one hour. You'd be uh, an American or an English speaker would be paired up with a Mexican who was trying to improve their English. And so for one hour, the conversation would be in Spanish so that we could practice our Spanish. And then the next hour would be in English so that they could practice their, their English. A lot of outreach programs. There was a group that sponsored through the library hikes, all kinds of cultural events. You know, there's for Day of the Dead, for instance, every year there'd be an anthropologist who would come in and talk about, you know, Day of the Dead, um, the significance of it. Libros para Pueblos. Yeah, they have a program called Libros para Pueblos where they would actually start, they would develop a library for 
different villages who and didn't and have, have access have to that. They have a lot of libraries. Mm-hmm. So that was, so that's one thing that we would do. Okay. We would go, we would spend time there. You just have strike up conversations with people. It's very easy to meet other expats. I actually would be remiss if I didn't ask you about banking and, you know, social security deposits. Do you, I mean, you've been out of the U.S. for so long. Do you have any accounts in the U.S. that you keep? Because we've heard from other guests that we've had that they keep an account in the U.S. I don't know if it's just in case or or what would you recommend? Well, I'll tell you what we do. We do keep an account in the States. Paul's social security check and my small pension check get deposited into that account. Mm-hmm. We do not have a bank account per se, a savings account here in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people here, but they recommend against it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the peso loses value against the dollar. Good point. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of banks. Uh, if you're if you're in the states now, for instance, I think Capital One, three sixty, and um, Charles Schwab Charles both Schwab, yeah. offer Schwab. accounts where you can. They will refund your ATM. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, we yes. love so, Schwab for that. Which can yeah. be substantial. Yeah. We unfortunately didn't do that when we were still in the states. I don't think we knew about it then. Um, so what we do. PayPal has a a company called Zoom, X-O-O-M. We have set, like if we were to go to an ATM and withdraw money from our Bank of America account, we would be dealing with the bank, the ATM fees on both ends, as well as the the money conversion fee. Because you're never going to get, you know, if if the rate is 21 pesos to the dollar, you might get 20. You right. know, through through the bank. Sure. So sure. you're losing, you're constantly losing money that way. So with Zoom, I can send money to myself from my Bank of America account. I pick it up at a place called Banco Azteca here, <laughs> uh, where I do not have a you know a savings account. There are no ATM fees to deal with if I'm sending, I think it's like over a thousand, a thousand dollars. So I will send myself a thousand dollars. There's no fee. Mm-hmm. And they they do wow. withhold three percent as that's the way that they make their money. So mm-hmm. on the yeah. exchange rate, if it's you know, 20.5 pesos to the dollar, I might get 20.1. Okay. It's, and you know, let me tell you how quick it is. She can be on her phone, do the do the transaction, and it takes a lot to set it up. Just when you start, yeah. you have to send them bank information, et cetera. Yeah. Once you do that, it's really easy. And she'll do it on her phone. As soon as she stops, she'll say, it's there. I mean, it's there almost yeah. immediately. Oh, no. And we do it, you know, every couple of months, we reimburse ourselves or re yeah. um refinance ourselves and and, and is what do you need cash is oaxaca a cash society most places will like stores most places will accept credit cards but for instance when we went for his ultrasound yesterday we couldn't use our card it was just like one doctor and a small ultrasound practice and it was and luckily we haven't had enough cash yeah yeah you know to pay for it but um you can't count on a place taking credit cards, but more and more places. Yeah, do. a lot of places do. Places um, that cater to tourists. Yeah, and are food most stores, big food stores. We pay with a discount and, and, and your rent fees and all that. Yeah, you, you rent, you pay with a check. We actually yeah. pay it What's through. What's a check? <laughs> <laughs> we we actually, you use that? I'm old school. Oh. I'm old school. Yes. We actually <laughs> not, pay it. Not me. Zoom. Not me. I don't use checks anymore. <laughs> we pay it through Zoom. The owner of of our house. Uh, is currently in England, and he has an HSBC account in England. And so I use Zoom to transfer money 
to, to him. That's safe. That's safe. But you know, remittances from outside of Mexico, that is Mexicans sending money back to Mexico is one of the top things. That, we're talking about billions of dollars a year yeah, come sure. from Mexicans working in Canada and the United States. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so they go to this bank, Banco Azteca, and they send stuff, Western Union, or, mm-hmm. but they're sending money back all the time. And so we're going to that place when we pick up our money. Ah, uh, okay. Wow. This has been a robust show. Well, you know, I expected it and I tried to talk fast. Any uh, any any last words for um, recommendations for people who want to? Well, I think Gloria did sell, say one big one, and that is have a reserve. I mean, whether it's 28000 or 228000 or have some extra money because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You may need it for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think my last word would be, if this is something that you're thinking about doing, believe that you can do it. Because we have over the years, especially with our time with International Living and through our website, we have talked to so many people who really wanted to do this. They really wanted to live overseas, but they were for one reason or another, they were afraid, they were you know, worried about whatever, they didn't want to leave you know, fat grandchildren behind. Yeah, the family thinks you're nuts. I always tell people, look, it's not a contest and it's okay to try it out. Yeah. You know, different strokes are different folks, whether you're a a snowbird, it doesn't make a difference, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. It's not a contest and it's okay to try it out. On the negative side, it can be kind of an expensive try. And don't buy a house right away. No, no, no. Rent, (laughs) rent, rent, rent. See if you like it first. See if you like it. We, We totally agree with that. All right, guys. This wow. Been fun. This has been so much yes, fun. Thank you we so much. Thank you enough. I know You're it's a welcome. lot of time we took from your day, but we and many, many others are going to so appreciate this. And really yeah, put that check in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> it's the check is in the mail, Paul. <laughs> I believe that. I'm gullible. I'm gullible. Love you guys. All right. All right. So we'll talk soon. Stay in touch. We will. Okay. Thank you. Well, we're waiting for your visit. Come hey, right. I, I have it on the to-do list. Look, look, here's my list. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good. All right. Okay. okay. All, right. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Have a Bye-bye. great weekend. Okay. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com, and you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.